morning. I haven't seen that yet. That was uh, pretty creative. Good job now. And uh, that really does lead us quite nicely into our uh, sermon now. And just because that was the children's message, you can all pay attention. You can all stick with us, kids and older people alike, because I think this is a message that probably applies to all of us. You probably have a problem that you don't even recognize as a problem. You've got, some, you've got a big problem, and you might not even see it as a problem. I don't, know, I don't know if you have this problem, but I know I have this problem, and I bet that you do as well. The problem is that you are too busy. Amen? Do you, do you feel too busy? Uh, it, let's just pretend for a moment that you and I are in the church this morning, and I pass you in the foyer, and I say, hey, brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so, how are you doing? How would you answer that question? How many of you would say, I'm good, but man, I'm busy? That's probably how I would answer. I have noticed that it seems that the generic answer for how are you today uh, is now uh, I'm busy. It used to be I'm good or I'm fine or if we're spiritual, I'm blessed. But now we say I'm busy. It's like we have, the, uh, uh, like we have so much busyness in our lives that we're not even bothered by it anymore. We've come numb to it. That we just expect this is the way that we are and in fact we wear it on our sleeve like it's a, like it's a badge. Are we proud that we are busy? Should we be proud or embarrassed by the fact that we have so much going on in our lives? I sometimes think we may have uh, some pride about our busyness because it subconsciously tells us that we're important. If we have nothing to do, then we must not be needed or valuable. And so we like to stay busy. We'll look for every opportunity to make sure our lives are just full from beginning to end. And this applies to little kids all the way up to uh, senior adults. From a little age, we, from, a, uh, from a young age, we, we teach kids to be full of activity and we enroll them in everything from sports activities to music lessons to dance class and uh, Cub Scouts and everything else. And, we, and, we, and so parents are running from one activity to the next and little kids are busy. Young adults, I know, uh, love to keep their lives busy and it's a busy time of life with school and work and everything else and don't get me started on uh, being a parent but then older adults every time I ask them uh, I get the same response I'm more busy now than I was when I was working we like to make our lives big busy but what if we were to come to the understanding that that's not always best in fact, the busyness may be robbing us from the, some of the most valuable things in our lives. And ac it, it actually may be like a, a, a vice that is squeezing out the things in our lives that give us a sense of, of joy and peace, that give us a margin in our lives to pursue those things that we find to be most valuable. A lot of us don't uh, exercise or keep ourselves he healthy. Why? Because we're too busy. We don't enjoy the type of activities that just uh, 
that we, that we love to do, uh, like reading a book or playing a game with a friend. Why? Because there's no time. And isn't it sad when our kids feel neglected because we've, uh, we've taken up every free moment in our day. And so everyone that we, all these things that we love to do and the people that we love to be with and we value the most seem to get the leftovers of our life. Why? Maybe it's because we're too busy. And what about our relationships with the Lord? How many of us have a, uh, just kind of a sense of guilt that we should be reading the Bible more, spend more time in prayer, or calling up so-and-so that we know has been going through a difficult time or is, has a feeling of loneliness, or, or there's something even outside the church that we would love to volunteer in, uh, uh, something that we have a passion for, whether it be for the poor or for kids or for the environment or whatever it is. And we have uh, these desires to be involved in good things, but the busyness of life has squeezed out the margin that we need to uh, pursue those kind of things. There was a uh, large study, 20,000 Christians were uh, interviewed for this study. And uh, Michael Zigarelli writes the conclusions. It may be the case that, one, Christians are assimilating to a culture of busyness, hurry, and overload. And this we're going to consider today in our uh, own lives and even in our, and how that affects our relationships and how it affects our emotions and how it affects our spiritual lives. But, uh, Zigarelli says Christians are assimilating, buying into a culture of busyness, hurry, and overload, which leads to, to God becoming more marginalized in a Christian's life, which leads to, three, a deteriorating relationship with God, which leads to, four, Christians becoming even more vulnerable to adopt to adopting secular assumptions about how to live, which leads to five, more conformity to a culture of busyness, hurry, and overload. And then the cycle re begins again. Do you agree with that? Do you, do you agree with the findings of this uh, study? I do, 100%. Busyness is a vice that is... Uh, that is causing a disturbing cycle in our lives, squeezing us dry spiritually, where busyness, hurry, and overload have uh, done a number on our souls so that many Christians today have become, uh, have adopted such busy lifestyles that it is not leading us to more love towards God. It is leading us away from loving God. It's not giving us more opportunity to love our neighbor. It's squeezing out the time in our lives that we would have for loving our neighbor. God wants us to slow down and to consider the, uh, the things that we are devoting our time to in our lives. Now, as uh, Stephen mentioned in the uh, intro of the service today, like 
the, the pandemic would surely have slowed us down, right? So many things have been shut down. And I remember at the beginning of this pandemic, we thought this was a reset. Here is an opportunity for us to recommit to loving one another and to community. Remember what we kept saying at the beginning? We're in this together. I don't know how many times I heard that. We're in this together, and we meant it with all our hearts. But we get pulled right back in uh, to the busyness that keeps us apart. And, uh, and at the beginning of the pandemic, we determined, we set our, uh, our, our minds on spending more time in God's Word and in prayer. And, uh, and we determined uh, to, not get our, to, to sp- not get ourselves so busy but that we would have quality time with our family. And how easily we fall back into the old traps. And so what is the issue here? The issue is not having more time. The issue is dealing with our hearts. That's what the point of today's sermon is. The title of today's sermon is Overcoming Busyness with God's Priorities. I want us to consider overcoming busyness. But this sermon is not meant to be a guilt trip. You know, I could easily play a guilt trip on you when I've got a lot of guilt in my own life. I admit, I, le- I uh, fill my life with all kinds of stuff. And, uh, and the answer is not necessarily becoming less busy. The answer is becoming busy with the things that ought to be priority in our lives. This is a tough, this is a tough message because I recognize that it hits home, at least for me, and, uh, and I, but I think if we are to be overcomers, to live, as we've said in the, in the title of this sermon series, to live with strength and peace in turbulent times, part of that is going to be evaluating our lives to make sure that we are living by God's priorities. It's easy to get so busy in life that we squeeze out the things that would give us peace and strength in turbulent times. And so this morning is not a guilt trip. There's much grace. But it is an opportunity to step back and to evaluate our lives and to see if we have aligned our lives with the priorities that God would have for us. Because if we do, we may still be busy, but there will be strength and peace in the busyness. Why? Because we are drawing strength and peace from the one who is first of all overcome, from Jesus himself. He fills us with strength and peace to live for him. And so let's just pause now and look at the life of Jesus. Jesus himself was quite busy. That's what it seems like to me. In three short years of ministry, think of all that he did. The people that he healed, the sermons that he preached, uh, the individuals that he invested time with, the discipled 12 individuals in three years' time in such a way that they were able to lead a movement after he was gone from this earth. It seems that Jesus was very busy, but Jesus was never hurried. Jesus was busy, but he never lost track of what was priority in in his life. I think priority, it started with... uh, cultivating his relationship with his heavenly father and uh, investing time in, in loving those that were around him. Jesus was very busy, but he kept his priorities. 
In Mark 1.35, it reads, uh, it says this, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you! Jesus replied, Let us go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. The first thing I notice from Jesus' busy life is that he, ha- he got up early in the morning to uh, spend time in prayer with God. That is, in itself, has to be a baseline principle, or a baseline application, I should say, for overcoming busyness with God's priorities. The only way that we will stay focused on God's priorities in our lives is when we have spent time with Him in, the, in His Word and in prayer. And that cannot get squeezed out. With all, we have to build in margin in our lives so that we can spend time with the Heavenly Father. Luke 5.16 says this was Jesus' regular practice. It says that Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. For a man who is so busy and everyone wants his attention, he made it a priority to spend time with God. God didn't get his leftovers. It says that Jesus rose early in the morning. And I'm not saying that all of us have to wake up early in the morning because for some of us that may be the worst time of the day. Some of you don't know the world exists before 11 o'clock in the morning. Uh, But God ought to have a good portion of, a, a good part of our day to spend in time with him. That's, that's key. And the second thing that jumps out at me from this, these few verses in Mark 1 is that Jesus was in demand. Uh, like everybody wanted his attention. Simon comes to him and says, everybody is looking for you, Jesus. Uh, sh- surely that had to uh, play on an ego if Jesus had an ego and the Bible says he was tempted in every way just as we are I, if I heard that it would make me feel good wow everyone is looking for me here's my opportunity to build the big church or here's my opportunity to uh, receive some public acclaim but Jesus had none of that he says uh, Jesus says let us go somewhere else the small forgotten about villages nearby so I can preach also for this is why I came you see Jesus knew why he was here it wasn't to please everyone it wasn't to develop a traveling ministry when he would, where he would pack out the stadiums Jesus was here to preach the gospel even to remote places Jesus knew what uh, his life was about If I was to ask you, what has God called you to in this life? What is your calling? Would you be able to give me a clear answer on that? It's crucial. If we are to overcome busyness with God's priorities, then we need to know what God has called us to. If you're married, I can can say uh, right off the top that Part of your calling is to love your husband or your wife well. If you're not devoting time to that, then you're neglecting God's call for you. If you are a parent, uh, one of your top priorities is to love and disciple your kids. 
That, that cannot be neglected. But then each of us has different parts of our calling that may differ from one person to the next. We might call this our missional calling. What are we doing to advance God's kingdom? I, for, I know for me, I have a deep uh, conviction that I am to preach God's word and to disciple others, that I am to share the good news to those that I know that are lost. Part of my calling is to, to be a pastor. Now, you may not have the same calling. Chances are, if you're in this, in this church, uh, the large majority of you are not called in that way. But God does have a calling for you. And oftentimes, it'll be around the things that break your heart, the things that you are passionate about. You long to see God uh, move uh, among kids or among uh, the poor or among uh, you're an advocate for the elderly or it could be a number of things it could be that god has called you to be involved in the in the community to serve on the school board or or to uh or to be involved in some sort of community organization there could be a number of things but we can't do it all this is where it takes a certain amount of discernment to ask the lord god what have you called me to and then to prioritize that. It takes some courage. It's not easy to do because it does mean that we'll have to say no to other good things. Even in the ministry, there are things that I have to say no to in the church because I, I recognize it's outside of God's main calling for my life. Part of the reason uh, we thought today would be a great day to have a prayer service, uh, an opportunity of prayer after the worship service is because you may be in a state of your life where you just want to have someone uh, pray for you that God would give you discernment, help you to know what his calling is for you. My prayer is that we all have certain things in our lives, that we have a conviction. This is what God wants me to do. And we get excited about it, and there is a, a passion for him. Now, if that is the case, if we're following God's calling in our lives, that does not mean that we will not get tired or even exhausted. Sometimes I think I've wrestled with that in my own, lives. I, in my own life. I get so uh, exhausted at times, I wonder, is there something wrong? Am I outside of God's will or His calling? No, not necessarily. In fact, we can be very busy with good things, and it, and it and it wears us out. And we ought not to feel guilt about that, but actually a sense of joy and satisfaction in it. Paul says, even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. Even if I'm being poured out, even if I've given everything and my, my glass is empty, I'm worn out, I'm tired. He says, I'm going to be glad and rejoice because I've done it in sacrifice and service to what God has called me to do. Jesus got so ex exhausted, he fell asleep in the, on a boat in the middle of a storm that was threatening to capsize the boat. Can you imagine how tired you'd have to be to fall asleep on a boat like that? Jesus surely got really exhausted, but he never lost track of his calling. Jesus was guided by an uh, inner conviction about his life's purpose. And we ought to be as well. So this is our message for today. Being an overcomer. 
living with strength and peace during turbulent times. And so today we are considering overcoming busyness with God's priorities. Not necessarily that we won't be busy, but I want us to examine our lives to see, am I busying myself with the things that God wants me to busy, busy myself with? And am I too busy that it's squeezed out the things that are really most valuable to me, my family, my time with the Lord, uh, my, my opportunity to serve God. Leadership guru uh, Stephen Covey said, we achieve inner peace when our schedules are aligned with our values. It's a good quote. It almost sounds like it could come from the Bible, but it's not. Uh, but, but I want to but I think it's got a lot of truth in it. We ch- achieve inner peace. We talk about being an overcomer, having a peace and strength during turbulent times. We achieve inner peace when our schedules are aligned with our values. As I have prayed about this uh, for this message, I, I recognize that, you know, there's a lot of places that I, we could go to. But... Um, I really feel like the Lord laid on uh, my heart two passages that I'd like us to uh, briefly consider in the time that we have left. Two passages that don't necessarily talk about time, but give us some principles that if you and I were sitting down across the table, I think these might be the, the two passages that I would share with you if we were talking about the busyness in our lives. The first is Matthew 16, 24 and through 26. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can someone give in exchange for their soul? The first thing that I would want to point out from this passage is the fact that Jesus says, whoever wants to be my disciple. The first thing that we have to evaluate in our lives when we think about uh, overcoming busyness with God's priorities is to ask ourselves, what do you really want? What you really want is actually what you will give your time and energy to. It's a guarantee. What what we really want, not in our minds but in our hearts, are the things that we will devote our time to. Do you want to be a disciple of Jesus? If that's what we really want, we will give time to it. It'll be a priority in our lives. And so the first uh, question to ask ourselves is, Do we want to be a disciple of Jesus? And if we do, Jesus goes on to say that part of that discipleship includes denial. Jesus says that if anyone wants to come after me, he or or she must deny themselves. That simply means say no to certain things. It is easy to be a people pleaser and want to say yes to everything, but we can't. We have, there are times in, in discipleship that, we meet, that means that we have to deny ourselves. We have to say no. 
We have to prioritize our time and energy for the things that, that will matter most, and that means denial and sacrifice. You might not be called to take the job promotion that will take you away from your family at night. You might not uh, have your kid play on the travel ball team that will take your family away from church on Sundays. You might not play as many holes of golf or as much fantasy football because you know that they require a lot of time that could be devoted to other things. Now, I'm not suggesting that none of those things are good. A A new job very well may be God's will for you. And youth athletics are fun, and they've opened up more witnessing opportunities for me than anything else. Hobbies and leisure activities are healthy and good. All I'm saying is this. Seek to discern God's will for your life. You don't want to just fill your time with activities. You want to fill your time with activities that are best for the sake of discipleship, for pursuing Christ and living as Jesus wants you to live. And so sometimes that, that will oftentimes always mean denial, saying no to good things. The message translates this verse this way. Anyone who intends to come after me, to come with me, has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. I am. Self-sacrifice is the way, my way to finding yourself your true self. I like how Eugene Peterson says it here. You're not in the driver's seat. I'm a terrible driver, I'll admit it. Especially at night. Especially like when I'm tired. In fact, if we drive anywhere when, uh, at night, I will let my wife drive because, truth be told, I have fallen asleep at the wheel multiple times. And, and, I, and uh, I don't, that's not a good thing, obviously. But uh, I've gotten myself in big trouble because I've gotten too tired and I've tried to drive. First time I ever fell asleep at the wheel, I was just a teenager. I was working at a camp, a Bible camp that was like an hour and a half away from where my, uh, where my parents lived, where I was living at the time. And, and after the week of Bible camp, uh, all the campers had gone home and I was exhausted, but I wanted to, go, but I wanted to leave right away uh, so I could spend the weekend with my family. And I'm driving down one of these uh, empty country roads and, I've, and I, could, I could sense I was nodding off, but I didn't have the, I, I just wanted to get home. And so I tried to press through. And before I knew it, I got woke up because my car was spinning around on the highway and it did, I guess, a 170, or I mean a 270, because it was now perpendicular to the highway on the opposite side of the road facing the highway. And as a teenager, I get out, I look around. Now, don't see anything wrong with this car. $1,000 beater, nothing wrong with this car. Uh, drive it up onto the road and make my way home. I thought about that. Praise the Lord that I didn't uh, uh, get hurt uh, in any way. But I'll admit, I'm not a good driver. In fact, I'm a terrible driver when I'm tired. And this is uh, where we need God to take the wheel. Because I don't think any of us make good decisions when we're worn out. We don't want to be in charge of our life. We want God to be in charge of our life. For Him to be in the driver's seat. For Him to direct us. Because when He is driving our lives, then... And only then will we have peace and strength to live for him in turbulent times. 
And Jesus closes this passage by saying, what good will it be for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their soul? I don't think it's too big of a stretch to say it this way. What good will it be for someone to work their tail off and in the end not have any peace in their soul? May we live with God's priorities. The second passage, and uh, I'll just make a couple observations here, but I felt like the Lord laid on this passage on my heart because this passage has been really meaningful for me. 2 Corinthians 10, I'm going to read verses 12 and 13, and, and then 17 and 18. We do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some, with some who commend themselves. So in other words, he says, don't worry about comparing yourself with others. A lot of times I think we take on things in our lives because we are too concerned with what others think of us. We want to compare ourselves with so-and-so, and man, they're devoted. their kids are involved in so much, and they have such good jobs, and, and we plunge headlong into all kinds of things that aren't really adding value to our lives. We dare not cl- classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. When you measure, when they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are not wise. Okay, next verse. We, however, do not boast beyond our proper limits. Beyond our proper limits. There's, there's boundaries in our lives. But we will confine our boasting to the sphere of, of service God himself has assigned us to, a sphere that includes you. Here is this sense of calling, that we will, if we, if we boast, it'll only be boasting. It, the only thing that we're going to really take uh, joy and value in in our lives is the sphere of service God has assigned to us. What's the sphere of service that God has assigned to you? Paul says that his sphere of service includes you. He didn't write a church a letter to every church in Asia Minor. He wrote a letter to the churches in Asia Minor that God had called him to minister. And that include the Corinthians. And all of us are called not to do everything, but to do that which God has assigned for us to do. And then Paul goes on to say in verse 17, But let him who boasts, boasts in the Lord. For it is not the one who, con- who commends himself who is improved, but the one who the, whom the Lord commends. This has been a verse that I've come back to a hundred times. It is not, uh, my, it is not my concern uh, what others think of me or how others may commend me. My approval is not found in others' opinion, but in the one whom the Lord commends. May I seek to find my identity and my joy and my value, my importance and my hope in God and how he looks upon our lives. May all of us, when we evaluate our lives and how we are spending our time, not worry about what anyone else wants us to do, Not worry about what anyone else will think of us, but fix our eyes on Jesus and ask, what does he want us to do? That is what we will devote ourselves to. There's a few restaurants out there that still don't accept credit card. Do you know any restaurants like that? 
Uh, usually they're old restaurants that got a great uh, reputation, and, uh, and so they can get away with saying, all we accept is cash. And uh, I was at a restaurant once uh, a while back that that, that was the rule, and uh, it, was a, it was an old uh, pizza place, a hole-in-the-wall pizza place, but man, they had great deep-dish pizza. And uh, so, so my friend and I, we had eaten a, a, a good share of a medium deep dish pizza and I got up to pay and, I, and, and it was at that point I saw the sign on the cash register we only accept cash oh boy looked in my wallet I got six bucks the meal cost 25 and uh, so fortunately my friend had enough to pick up the rest and uh, we were good to go here is what I'm afraid of. When it comes to our life, we have, we have spent our, our time and our capital and our energy on all kinds of things. And then when it gets time to actually uh, to, to give our time and our energy to what we find to be most valuable, we're lacking. We don't got enough. We don't got enough to devote to our family or to the ministry that God has called us to. We don't have enough. We're, 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 we're not cash broke, but we're time broke. Now, the good news is we're with a friend. We're with a friend that has more than enough to pay for it. Jesus will cover the bill. But the thing is, he is calling us to trust in him, to, to look to him to receive strength and guidance. And part of that will uh, be, don't say, no, don't say yes to everything, but to look to him and to have him direct our lives. That's how we are going to overcome busyness with God's priorities. Don't left, leave pennies left over for God. Don't give God IOU notes. But may we draw strength from him to live with the priorities that he has for us. As I said, this has felt like a time, this pandemic period has felt like a time for us to reset. And this has gone on longer, much longer than uh, what we would ever anticipate. And we don't necessarily see a, a light at the end of the tunnel yet, but still know that this is an opportunity for us to evaluate our lives. If we are to be overcomers, it means that we will busy ourselves with God's priorities. A recent Barna study, they do all kinds of religious uh, studies and surveys, found that 20% who were attending church regularly before the pandemic have completely fallen off. They're not watching online services. They're not attending a church. 20%. That's a huge number. And so here is my admonition for us. Reset. Fix our eyes on the priorities that God would have for us so that we could follow him and that we could devote ourselves to the things that he would have for us. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father God, I thank you that you love us so much. This, this is a message that I feel the need for a lot of grace. It, this is a hard one for me. I find myself getting so uh, busy with things that I wonder if I have devoted myself to the right things. And God, I pray that you would uh, lead and guide each and every one of us 
to set our priorities right, to hear from you, to be devoted to our families, to be devoted to having quiet times with you, and to be devoted to serving you in the ways that you would have us to serve you. And God, help us not to have any sense of guilt when we give ourselves to things that uh, others would rather see us give uh, ourselves to something different. But God, help us just to seek your commendation, not the approval of anyone else, but to seek uh, your your, uh, pleasure and your smile in our lives. So God, we thank you that we are overcomers and that we are overcomers only through Jesus. May he guide our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.